Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our NBA positional ranking series, and today we're going to talk about our Eastern Conference shooting guards. So, Jalen, who are your top 10 Eastern Conference shooting guards? Ooh-wee, this is going to be a good one. So starting at number one, I have Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. At number two, I have Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. At number three, I have Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. At number four, I have Karis LeVert of the Brooklyn Nets. At number five, I have Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers. At number six, I have Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. At number seven, I have Seth Curry of the now Philadelphia 76ers. At number eight, I have Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat. At number nine, I have Devontae Graham of the Charlotte Hornets. And at number 10, I have Colin Sexton of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So number 10, Colin Sexton. Number nine, Marcus Smart. Number eight, Terry Rozier. Number seven, Devontae Graham. Number six, Victor Oladipo. Number five, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Number four, uh, Karis LeVert. Number three, Zach Levine. Number two, Fred Van Vliet. And number one, Bradley Beal. Man, okay. So we got a couple things to address because I got some people off this list that I think I just did dang near forgot about, bro. You got Bogdan Bogdanovich on my list, and I have no idea where to put this man. Dude, literally, literally forgot to even swing this dude in here. Ryan, Ryan, based on my list, I'm going to read it back to you again real quick. Where in the heck do I put Bogdan Bogdanovich at? I got Bradley Beal 1, Fred Van Vliet, Zach Levine, Karis LeVert, Victor Oladipo, Marcus Smart, Seth Curry, Duncan Robinson, Devontae Graham, Colin Sexton. Bro, where does Bogdan fit in here? What, probably above... Marcus Smart? I don't know. I mean, Marcus Smart is really good defensively, and he shot the three ball pretty well towards the back end of the year. Is he better than Duncan Robinson? I I would assume so, but he shoots the three ball so well. I think the next person that I would have to maybe take off my list is Devontae Graham, who's at, at nine, and bump him down to 10 and put him there, but then that makes it where Bogdan Bogdanovich is the ninth best shooting guard in the Eastern Conference. And I just don't know if that's accurate, Ryan. Did did I did I goof on this? Are you kidding me, Jalen? You absolutely goofed on this. <laughs> leaving leaving Bogdan Bogdanovich off your list. Oh man, Jalen, he's going to be a major contribution to an Atlanta Hawks team that is for sure making the playoffs this year with the amount of talent that they have. It depends, like, how bad you goofed, though. I do think you goofed, but oh, man. it depends on how bad you goofed. I mean, if you put him at number nine, I absolutely think you goofed. If you put him at number five, I think that's correct. If you put him at number three, a little bit too high. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is one of the underrated shooting guards um, when he was with the Sacramento Kings. Um, he was kind of competing for minutes with uh, Buddy Heald. 
another great shooting guard. Um, I think now that he's in Atlanta, he's going to shine. I think that, you know, his combination with Trey Young could be, could make for one of the best uh, backcourts in the league. Um, I have him at number five because I think Karis LeVert is just underrated, is the most underrated guard in the um, Eastern Conference. Um, I would say the second, the second, uh, the second most underrated guard is Bogdan. Um, I think that Karis LeVert playing up 20 points a game, he's not talked about that much as being one of the great guards in the league. Um, and neither is Bogdan, but Karis LeVert is able, or Karis LeVert could be a major contribution and the leading scorer on any team that he goes to. And, I think even before Kyrie and Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn, he was one of the best shooting guards in the league. So I think that putting Karis LeVert over Bogdan Bogdanovich, it was a a tough choice because both of them are great guards, but you would have to put Bogdan in your top five. Okay. If I had to go ahead and revise this on the fly, this is is how the – you know – how the cookies how the cookies baked in terms of the hoop talk podcast if i had to make a revision real quick because i'm not going to lie to you i think i just completely looked at the eastern conference landscape and just forgot about bogdan bogdanovich out the fact that there are so many dynamic guards in the east i know once you get to the seth curry's and the duncan robinsons and the devonte grams of the world it, you start to think that the list is a bit watered down but you do have to remember that Bogdan was on the Sacramento Kings. We didn't see a lot of him, and he's not a player who was discussed very often besides the fact that he was a guy linked to potentially being brought to Milwaukee by a guy in Giannis Antetokounmpo who seemed to want him significantly. So this wasn't a guy that was discussed a ton, and although we've shown love to him as a potential contributor on Atlanta, he still is a guy that we haven't necessarily gotten to see the full blossom of his game and I think that affected my decision a little bit here's my thing though I still don't necessarily know if he's better than Victor Oladipo out of the fact that Victor Oladipo when healthy is a significant two-way player I have Victor Oladipo at number five I don't necessarily know if he's a better offensive threat than what Marcus Smart is on the defensive end I have Marcus Smart at number six So essentially, I could put Bogdan at seven where Seth Curry is and bump everyone down. My question would be to you is, who stays on the list? Devontae Graham or Colin Sexton? So this is tough because in my opinion, I think if you were, when you were originally talking about um, when you were were originally talking about three players, um, Seth Curry, Duncan Robinson, and uh, uh, Bogdanovich, I actually had uh, Robinson as my honorable mention um, mm, okay. because of the, the 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 significant increase in um, the the significant uh, what's the word I'm looking for the significant uh, increase in three point shooting efficiency that he's had this season. I mean, he was, he was a great contributor for a Miami Heat team that ended up making the finals. So I think he's definitely one of the top shooting guards in the league. I would have to remove a guy like Seth Curry, um, even though he really? was just Best because. Best shooter in the league percentage-wise? But if you're talking about who you want in your, on your list, it's, it's a tough choice because it's either you knock out Seth Curry 
you knock out Devontae Graham, who should have been nominated for most improved player of the year. That's Agreed. a tough choice. Agreed. Um, Marcus Smart, one of the top shooting guards in the league, and he can shoot threes. He can, he's one of, the un, one of the most underrated defenders in the East. Um, Colin Sexton, we can't deny the, the jump that he's had from year Agreed. one to year two. Colin Sexton, he's earned the nickname Young Bull. I mean, if you watch him at Alabama, the intensity that he shows, the, his ability to create his own shot, just the, the passion behind his play. He's one of the most electric players in the league. Mm-hmm. We can't count him out. Victor Oladipo, like you mentioned earlier, when healthy, he's one of the best guards in the league, but that's the disclaimer when, he, when, is, when he's healthy. When he's healthy, right. Yeah. When he's healthy, he's one of the best guards. But when he's not, he can definitely he can definitely impact the team because I think the team plays better with him on the floor. Um, so then, who you who do you try to kick out or who do you leave off your list? I think uh, if I had to go for it, I think genuine. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I, there's no way that I think I can argue that Duncan Robinson is not on this list. He's done it on the highest stage, and he's done it in the playoffs. Something Bogdan Bogdanovich cannot say. Um, look, man, I think I could maybe put Bogdan as high as seven, um, because I think we're projecting too much about what we believe he'll be on Atlanta. And that might have a lot to do with it. And I can understand why you would put him at top five, the shooting ability, the off the ball uh, talent is there, especially when we know that a guy in Trey Young is going to be helping facilitate. And the other guy who could help facilitate is a guy in Rajon Rondo. So talk about getting, uh, getting the ball in good passing pockets. He's got two guys who can really facilitate, but I think there's still a little too much projection in terms of what Bogdan can be in the Eastern Conference. And we haven't seen a lot of him in Sacramento in terms of being, you know, some significant scoring threat. He's definitely a shot creator. He's definitely a a relatively athletic guy. But I don't necessarily know if he's better than Duncan Robinson. I don't think he's better than Seth Curry. Seth Curry is a guy who helped drive the Portland Trailblazers just two years ago in their in their journey to the Western Conference Finals um, against Golden State. I think that's something that's arguable as well. He's a guy who's done it on the big stage beforehand. And like I said, <laughs> league leaders uh, percentage-wise in three-point efficiency. I, I think, you know, in a game that's predicated off three ball nowadays, I don't think that we can just undermine that at his position. And I think he's going to thrive in Philly where he's going to have two big guys who can kick the ball out to him or specifically Ben Simmons who can really kick the ball out to him in terms of being a facilitator. If we're going to do projections, I think Seth Curry might even have a better season than Bogdan Bogdanovich this season if we're going to go out on a limb. So that's what I'm going to say about that. But what I do want to address is, Brian, you're talking about all this Bogdan slander. Where is my boy Zach Levine at? What's up with that? I put him at number three. I mean, okay, we both have him at three, but I feel as though you're talking about Zach Levine. You you put Zach Levine at three and Bogdan is number five. You think that Bogdan is that close to Zach Levine in talent level? So – more or less, I put Bogdan number five because of the amount of shooting guard talent that's in okay. the Eastern Conference. I had to leave a lot of people off this list. Agreed. And it was, it was uh, clearly, tough. right? <laughs> it, 
it's like I wanted to have five honorable mentions. I ultimately picked Duncan Robinson. Seth Curry, if we, if we made this a fifth, top 15 player list, mm-hmm. Seth Curry and Duncan Robinson are in there easily. Right. Um, but in terms of where I put Zach Levine, I personally believe the, the, the improvement Zach Levine has shown throughout his career, it has to be noted. Yeah, um, he was a top 10 scorer in the league last year. Exactly. Top 10 score in the league is third at the position, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who we've seen glimmers of, is number five. That's where the slander is, Ryan. It's not that we, it's not where you put Zach, it's where you put the guys around Zach. Bogdan is not in the class of Zach Levine right now. But okay, let's look at let's look at the top two guards. Bradley Beal is maybe the most overlooked guard in this league. He's been True. snubbed from many all-star teams. He averaged 30 points a game this past season. And then Fred Van Vliet is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and he just secured the bag. Facts. So we cannot <laughs> overlook Bradley Beal and Fred Van Vliet. Right. Zach Levine being the third best guard. He is one of the best shooting guards in the league. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best scorers in the league. And if he's shown me anything in his NBA career, it is that he is more than a dunker. He has improved on his mid-range game. He's become a better facilitator. He's become a better scorer. And I think that he has the ability now to lead the Chicago Bulls possibly to a playoff berth because they still have a lot of young talent on this team with Zach Levine, um, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, is another guy. They just drafted Patrick Williams as well. We'll see how he fits into the offensive scheme of the Bulls. We cannot sit here and not include we, we, we cannot sit here and not say – I'm sorry, I'm using a double negative, but we cannot sit here and say that Zach Levine is not a top five point guard. I agree. A top five I shooting guard. I completely agree with that part. My just big wonder is just about where you feel like the talent gap is between him and Bogdan because I get it. I completely agree with you. I think I dropped the ball on this one by not having him on my list. I think I could put Bogdan as high as seven. I think that's as high as I feel like I could put him. And a lot of the other guys might just have to slide down with either Devontae Graham or Colin Sexton have to fall off that list. I think it would have to be unfortunately by a smidge it would have to be Devonte, just because of what we've seen from a scoring output for colin sexton and like you said he's improved significantly every year at least on the offensive side of the ball and he is an aggressive try hard defender it's not like he's he's just undersized at the guard position they have two six one guards starting in cleveland right now so it's not the most defensive backcourt in the league you know what i mean but he's a very effort-based defender and he's you know, he's averaging 20, 20 plus a game. So I think that you have to respect that despite the fact that Devontae Graham probably took the biggest jump last year out of anybody. And like I said, I agree with you. He was definitely on my ballot as le- at least a top three candidate for most, impl- most improved player of the year. And a guy in Luka Doncic was on that, on that same ballot. And I didn't even really understand how he was in the mix considering he was in the MVP discussion. I don't, I don't really see how that was the case. Rookie of the year, one year, MVP discussion the next. I don't even know how he gets into that mix. I think Devontae Graham was significantly snubbed. So I agree with that. I think what we both are going to have to really take a look at this season is we're both going to have to really get a glimpse of what Bogdan Bogdanovich is on a team that truly features him in a Eastern conference that's more dynamic than it's been before 
on an Atlanta team that's on the rise as opposed to a Sacramento team that's kind of in purgatory right now. So I think that'll be the biggest thing that we have to identify because it sounds like you're extremely hype on Bogdan. And I'm a guy who still kind of has the see like kind of has the jury out on him still. So there's a lot of things that kind of take from that. Um, looking at some of the other guys that we have on this list, is there anybody else that's on? Uh, is there anybody else that you'd like to address off the top that's either on your list and not on mine, on my list that's not on yours, or just somebody that you just don't want to end the podcast without talking about? Because I want to make sure that when we talk about the next couple of guys that we hit on everybody in this list in some respects, but is there anybody that jumps out, um, jumps out to you on your list, particularly uh, for your, uh, the next guy that we discuss? So let's talk about Terry Rozier. Um, Mm. You're not the biggest fan of Terry Rozier. I understand, Mm -hmm. but there was something about Terry Rozier in that he significantly improved other than, you know, being with Devontae Graham. I think Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier have significantly improved from um, last year, um, from last season to this past season. Terry Rozier's numbers look like 18, or Terry Rozier averaged 18 points a game, just under four and a half rebounds and four assists. He shot 42% from the field. I'm not expecting him to be the guy that pretty much carried the 2018 Boston Celtics throughout the playoffs into game seven against the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I am expecting him to be an asset on this team, especially from the perimeter, because he's one of the top perimeter shooters in the league. However, you know, but I feel like his role is going to decrease because you have a guy like Lamelo Ball is on the team. It looks like he's coming off the bench because Devontae Graham looks like he'll be the starting he'll be the starting shooting guard, and then of course Miles Bridges will be the starting uh, small forward. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how Terry, how, how Terry Rozier's minutes are affected this season because he was averaging 18 points a game, which is, which is good. But I don't know what he will be, how many minutes he's going to be playing next season considering that it looks like the starting lineup is, is going to end up being LaMelo Ball, uh, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, and uh, Cody Zeller. But I'm not really sure. It looks like Terry Rozier will be coming off the bench. I think if he is coming off the bench, he could be up for six man of the year. I mean, I do. I, I agree that he could be a six man of the year candidate, but this is kind of similar to what we talked about in the Western Conference in terms of having two guys who play the same position, relatively talented, both being considered top guards in the conference. Does having Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham both on the shooting guard list say more about their talent or say a little bit less about the overall talent at the shooting guard position in the East? Because I feel like if you have Devontae Graham on your list, I agree with that. But I feel like if you have Terry Rozier on there as well, I feel like there's somebody else in the Eastern Conference that you're either leaving off for reasons that have nothing to do with them and more so to do with your upside on a guy like Terry Rozier, or it means that you believe that there's no other guard better than Terry Rozier in the Eastern conference. And despite the fact that he doesn't even start, 
you believe that Terry Rozier is a better producer than maybe a Duncan Robinson, for example, who you have as your honorable mention. I personally don't believe that Terry Rozier is better than Duncan Robinson. Um, but I don't know. I think there's something about having two guards from the same team that play the same position on your list that does water it down a little bit because it makes you wonder, is it the talent in the East fault that you have two guards that play the same position on the same team? Or is it just simply the next best person on your list just isn't good enough to make your list? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I understand. Um, the main reason why I put both Graham and Rozier on is because of the talent. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the shooting guard department in the Eastern conference is talented and who knows what's going to happen with James Harden if he gets traded to either the Philadelphia 76ers or Brooklyn Nets because the shooting guard department in the Eastern Conference could be loaded with talent. Um, Terry Rozier is one of the most talented players that I've seen, um, especially coming out of Boston. Um, if you look at uh, the year before he got the big contract with Charlotte, he was averaging nine points a game under four rebounds and under three assists. He was shooting just under 39% from the field and 35% from three. Those aren't great numbers. But then if you look at when he received the contract with Charlotte, like I mentioned, 18 points a game, four rebounds, four assists, 42% from the field, 41% from beyond the arc. I think that the improvement from 2018 to 2019 has to be noted. Like I've been, mm. like I've said with a lot of players, um, like Devonte Graham being one of them, um, who, sh- who once again I'll say should have been up for most most improved player of the year. But the fact is, there's so much talent in the East. This is a list where you and I kind of feel like should be expanded to the top 15, because I think that. We're leaving out a lot of guys that should be on this list. Duncan Robinson being one of them on my end. Seth Curry also being another guy on my end. Bogdan Bogdanovich is another guy on your (laughs) end. Um, But I just think there's so much talent that you pretty much – it's more difficult to make a top 10 list than it is to make a top 15 list. And, I mean, that's what makes these things fun, right? You know that there's always going to be somebody that you end up leaving off, and it's always going to be a big debate is, like, you know, once you leave them off, like we discussed at the beginning of the podcast, not having Bogdan on my list, where do you throw them once you try to figure out where adding them in? You know, we came to a consensus about that to a certain extent. But, like, speaking of talent, Ryan, we, we touched on it a little bit, right, but we didn't really dive into it. Victor Oladipo, man. This is a guy who arguably a season or two ago we could have said was a top 10 player in the Eastern Conference as a whole, arguably. Now we're putting him as low as five for me and six for you at his own position. Has the decline of Victor Oladipo been so significant that this is kind of the stagnant area that he's going to be stuck at? moving forward unless he ends up on another team that's not Indiana or do you think that coming back healthy Victor Oladipo can actually surmount himself again as one of the top three top two guards in the Eastern Conference because I'm not going to lie to you this past season the best thing we saw from Victor Oladipo is his appearance on the Mass Singer and that's not telling me a whole lot because honestly I want to see this guy perform on the basketball court and we didn't see very much of that, not at least at least at least not at a high level. So, I mean, 
Where do you stand on Victor Oladipo? Is this a guy that we can maybe end up moving up to the top three by the end of the year? The mass singer. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> okay. When healthy, he's one of the best guards. And let me give you an example of when he was healthy. 2017, the first year that he's traded away from the Thunder. In 75 games, he averaged 23 points, shot under 48% from the field, 37% from three, and he averaged five rebounds and four assists. That's him healthy. Right. If he plays a healthy season, he's a top five guard easily. Mm. But the reason why I put him at six and you put him at five is because of, of injuries, and we always have that disclaimer of, when he's healthy, he's one of the best guards in the league. But when he's not healthy, you can, you can kind of see the talent from the Indiana Pacers. Like the, the lack of – I guess the lack of guard depth outside of Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Aaron Holiday outside of uh, Oladipo, it kind of starts to show because outside, outside of Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon is maybe the best guard in their team. Um, it's tough because watching a guy like Victor Oladipo play, it's, it, it's amazing to see a guy average 23 points a game. And the, these are all-star level numbers. And in 2018, before the injury, in 36 games, he was averaging 18 points under six rebounds and five assists. That's still great numbers for a guy who's been struggling with injuries. But again, like when he's healthy, he's one of the best guards. And I think that, you know, maybe he flourishes on a team outside of Indiana. Maybe, maybe if he isn't injured, then he'll put up the great numbers that he once had in 2017. Hmm. But I think, again, I will go back to the argument of there's a lot of talent in this Eastern Conference where it's hard to even rank a guy like Victor Oladipo in the top five when there are guys like Bradley Beal, Fred Van Vliet, Karis LeVert, Zach Levine, like I'll even say like Devontae Graham, Bogdan Bogdanovich, like it, the list goes on with the amount of talent that's in the Eastern Conference. So either way you look at it, when he's healthy, he's a top five guard, but it's already difficult putting him in the putting him in the top five given the amount of talent that's in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, he de- I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're injured and you miss a good portion of the year, we had this issue with Kevin Durant and Seth Curry this pa- uh, or Steph Curry this past season in terms of them being injured. There was a lot of discussions about who's the best player in the, in the world. And me and you both argued, like, there's two guys you guys continue to not talk about, and I'm assuming it's just because they're hurt because otherwise we know they're top five players, if not top two players in the, in the, in the entire world and Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. And I think there's a similar argument you can make about a guy like Victor Oladipo, who we know when healthy plays on both sides of the ball can average 18 plus in his sleep. Um, doesn't facilitate well, but definitely rebounds well for a guard. I mean, we know that he's a good overall player at the shooting guard position when healthy, like you said before, with the caveat of that. You know another guy who kind of gets lost in the fray of all this, and this is kind of my last guy I want to touch on. Um, he was actually my honorable mention. I, I I guess I have to switch that around now with Bogdan, but um, my original honorable mention in year two is R.J. Barrett, man. I genuinely believe that R.J. Barrett in year two with the New York Knicks, I think that he's going to be a guy who, although he plays shooting guard, I think they're going to experiment with him as a potential point guard option for the New York Knicks. They didn't really pick up very much in the draft in that department. Um, 
They ended up getting Emmanuel quickly, which I thought was a really good pickup for them. Obviously, Miles Powell as well, um, who's the homie over here on, on the Hoop Talk podcast. And, of course, they reached really high on a guy in Obi Toppin when I believe Killian Hayes was still a guy that could have been on the table. Um, you know, you got to wonder what's the deal with that. But I think R.J. Barrett is a dynamic scorer, definitely an athletic guy, can definitely facilitate. We saw a lot of that at Montverde, but we also saw a good – a good little amount of that at Duke as well. Um, I think that with the team getting a bit younger, with the team going a little bit more to a let's develop the guys route, even with Tom Thibodeau, I think they're gonna have I think they're gonna have guys play hard. I think guys are gonna play, be aggressive. I think we're gonna see a lot of um improvements defensively from this team. And I think that if you run RJ Barrett at the point guard position. They might even be a little bit better off because I know that Alfred Payton is pretty good, but he's a guy who always starts the year shaky and then ends the year so well that you just can't help but re-sign him or give him a little bit more money or, you know, avoid cutting bait with him because he gives you just a little bit of hope that if he enters the next season on the same trajectory, you know, he could be a potential top guard in the East. But I think that R.J. Barrett is a guy that, although, you know, we have him listed as a shooting guard, I think as a overall combo guard in the NBA, I think in year two, not under David Fisdale and whatever lack of an offense they really had on a team that doesn't have four power forwards, you know, on the roster in a, in a reverse positionalist basketball kind of NBA that was being ran by the Knicks last year. And a team that has a, a hard nosed, you know, gritty coach in Tom Thibodeau. I think that, R.J. Barrett could be a guy who, you know, dare I argue, could be in conversation. I'll put his ballot in now. He will be in the conversation for the most improved player of the year in 2021. I I second that. <clears throat> I second that because if you look at his uh, rookie numbers, if you look at last year's numbers, he's averaging 14 points a game, five rebounds, shooting 40% from the field, 32% from three. As a rookie, I don't think those are bad numbers at all because mm-hmm. it's, your first, it's your first year in the league. You're trying to make an impression. You're trying to learn the system. I think for a guy like R.G. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly might be the answer to who's going to be the point guard because I think that if you watch Emmanuel quickly, Kentucky – his improvement numbers from uh, freshman year to sophomore year, that, that has to be noted. Um, he's also one of the best uh, off-ball guards in the, in the coming out of the draft. Um, so I think that, you know, if you pair him up with a guy like R.J. Barrett, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Um, to say that R.J. Barrett is a most improved player, like I said, I believe he's going to be in that conversation. Um, if I had to project numbers, I would say he averages 20 points a game, somewhere around seven and a half rebounds, maybe four and a half assists. But I think the big thing for him going forward is improving on his three-point shooting numbers. Hmm. As a rookie, like I said, averaging 32% from three, it's not bad, but I think that's definitely, there's always room for improvement um, in that category. So I think for RJ Barrett, you have a lot. There's there's a lot of there there's there's a lot of uh, potential in a guy like R.J. Barrett, and I think with the third overall pick, the Knicks made a great choice of getting him. 
And I think he's somebody that in the future, once he develops, they could build the franchise around him. Yeah, definitely. I think I agree with you 100%. I think if if, if R.J. Barrett averages the numbers that, that you think he'll average, I mean, the Knicks could be in contention for an eight seed talking like that. Jeez Louise. I don't know if it's going to be that great of a jump, but I do definitely think they're going to be dangerous. R.J. Barrett's biggest knock has been his inability to shoot the three at a high clip. 32% is like right around league average, if not a little bit under league average. So if he can just become a league average three-point shooter, if not above league average, I think he could be a really dangerous uh, piece on this team and I think year two was it for him I think year one was really weird because of the fact that he was on a really dysfunctional Knicks team that didn't seem to understand how to roster build and I think now that the team's making a little bit more sense I think they have a chance to really do something in the east this year I'm not saying that they'll make the playoffs or anything but I think they're going to be a lot more of a tough out because despite being a young team I think led by Tom Thibodeau I think if they play the young guys, but play the young guys hard, preach defense, they got a lot of athletes on this team. They got a lot of potential dynamic scorers. Kevin Knox said that this is his breakout year, basically. Let the media know that this is going to be the year that he kind of wakes up. If that's true, that's another really potential, uh, really dangerous potential young piece that they could look to. So, I mean... I don't know. I don't want to set high expectations for Knicks fans because that's always a really dangerous thing to do. But I do genuinely believe that a guy, RJ Barrett, got taken at third overall um, a year ago for a reason. And I think that with the right pieces around him, he can prove to the league why he was taken there. So, you know. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is one guard that you are looking forward to seeing excel from year one to year two. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.